0: This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. On the show, you'll hear from leading Australian business owners as they share the lessons they've learned building their companies. You'll learn from their successes as well as some of the challenges they faced along the way. We also talk to experts from a range of fields who share specialized techniques you can use to improve your business. I'm your host, Savan Chuna, and I'm a director at Alexander Spencer, and I'm really passionate about helping Australian businesses succeed. Today on the show, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to take you behind the scenes and give you a small glimpse of what it's like making an episode of The Bottom Line, because today I'm joined by Adam Jaffrey, the founder and strategy director of Wavelength Creative an award-winning podcasting agency based in Melbourne that not only produces a number of great shows, but helps us out with the bottom line. Adam is an absolute wizard when it comes to podcasting and marketing. And in today's conversation, you'll hear Adam share what he's learned from a career in content. Adam will take you through the remarkable story of how he got Wavelength off the ground He'll break down how producing branded content can help you deliver a complicated message. And I'll share some of the ways that making the bottom line has not only benefited our business, but has helped me evolve as a communicator. Let's dive in. Hi, Adam. Thank you so much for joining me on the bottom
1: line today. Excited to be here.
0: I'm really excited. So I want to go with the first question. So you started out your career in advertising world but I know that even from a young age, you always wanted to start your own business. When you were a kid, what did you tell people when they asked you what you wanted to be when you grow up?
1: (laughs) This is a funny question. Um, When I was growing up, I think I always knew I wanted to be a business owner. In fact, in my primary school yearbook, where it says, what do you want to be when you grow up? I wrote a millionaire. (laughs) (laughs) All my friends and schoolmates were writing, a firefighter, a policeman, a a nurse, or whatever. And I was like, no, I want to be a millionaire. And I didn't really know what that meant at the time. I mean, I guess a millionaire isn't actually that rich these days. But back then, that seemed like this grandiose thing that I wanted to achieve. I've always been really ambitious. And I didn't know what my business would be. And I didn't know how I would get there. But I always kind of thought that that's where I was headed. So that's what I said.
0: I love it. A lot of years have gone by since those days. Tell me about Wavelength Creative. How did you go from working in advertising to running your own business?
1: Yeah, so I studied marketing at university and I went into advertising after I graduated. And I worked at a really great agency, or a couple of great agencies, in fact. But I always felt a little dissatisfied with what I was doing in the advertising world. But I just felt like I was missing this thing, which was, ironically, my mission to become a millionaire or or my mission to run my own business, really, is what it actually evolved into. I I don't have these grandiose visions of, of being rich these days, but I do have this ambition to forge my own path. So that transition to your question from advertising to running my own business really kind of came about where I had always been in love with podcasts as a consumption channel. I'd been listening to podcasts since all the way back at university. And in fact, I always said that I reckon I learned more from podcasts than I did from my university lecturers. I spent more time listening to them than I did going to class. And the knowledge that I gained from all these like marketing and advertising shows was current. It was recent. It was talking about social media marketing and all the like web technology stuff that was happening at the time. And all my textbooks were talking about the four Ps of marketing and Kotler's five forces and all this whatever crap that we don't use, right? We don't use that stuff when we go into the real world. So I was working in advertising and I actually decided I wanted to start my own podcast. I had a bit of a dabble with podcasting a couple of years prior when I was studying. And then I decided I wanted to do something a little bit more serious and launch a podcast called MATE, which stands for Marketing, Advertising, Technology, Entrepreneurship. So kind of like blended all the things I was interested in. And I launched this podcast whilst I was still working in my advertising job, and it went really well. I got some really great listeners and learned a lot about podcasting and I was just producing it all myself, editing it myself, figuring it all out myself. And then I got to this point where I just kind of like got sick of my advertising job and so one day I just decided I was done and I quit. I quit with no plan. For a what short year was that? That would have been I think 2016 around June or July. And then I went and did some travel and then I came back and I was like, all right, well, what now? And I actually had worked as an advertising strategist beforehand. So I did like the Adam Jaffrey life strategy and I got a whiteboard and I wrote out the strategy. What do I want to do? And I had all these ideas and I ranked them on criteria and there was like three or four of them. And one of those four ideas was start a podcast agency. The reason I chose to do that was because it felt like it was the perfect blend between the channel that I loved, as the former story referred to, but also it felt like this thing that had a big opportunity for growth, because we were sort of right at the beginning of businesses wanting to do podcasting, and then also nobody else was doing it. Or at least nobody else was doing it well. Mm. So like in my advertising job before I'd left, there was starting to be some conversations around podcasts from clients that we were working with, you know, big Australian brands. And I looked around and I was like, nobody in this like 100 person agency knows how to do this. And I do because I made my own podcast and I launched it myself and I edited it myself. So nobody knows how to do this somebody should create a company that does this. And that somebody was me.
0: That is an amazing story. And leading into my next question, what were the early days like in the business? Was it a struggle to find the foothold? How did you get it going? Zero income, an idea, and then it started. So tell us those early stages and what was the struggle to find that foothold?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think like all businesses in their early years, you end up trying a bunch of stuff and experimenting and often failing in a bunch of ways. And we certainly did all of those things. In fact, I think uh, if I look back at our financials, the first year of operation, we lost about $60,000. And so you go, all right, I've left a job unemployed. I'm now $60,000 down <laughs> from zero, right? Yeah, yeah, and also, I didn't get a wage this year. It's like so,
0: negative unemployment.
1: It is. Ne- <laughs> <laughs> it is. So instead of getting zero, I went minus 60, which means I'm like net, like minus 100 plus thousand. So like, I'm out a lot of money in the beginning, but that's pretty normal for people starting a business. But yeah, like... I think we were kind of lucky that our very first like paying clients um, came along pretty quickly. And in fact, um, I remember this story very vividly. I was sitting in the co-working space that we were working out of at the time, and I was kind of just throwing this podcast agency idea around with a few people that I knew professionally. And one of those people was a guy called Michael Momsen, and he'd actually tried to hire me a few years earlier in a marketing role for his startup And I was like, hey, you're a startup guy. Can you give me some advice? Here's this thing I'm trying to do. And so we kind of got chatting and we were going back and forth and uh, we were just kind of texting. And then he gets me on the phone and he's like, oh, yeah, you could do this and you could do this. And what about this and whatever? And then he goes, this is the, the moment where Wavelength really began. And I remember this story very vividly. Michael goes, oh, what about this? What about this? And he goes, fuck it. We should make a podcast together. And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's do that. And so that was our first client.
0: I love it. But in 2020, you released one of your most successful podcasts, a show called Saving Apollo 13. This show was a huge success, but you actually took a pretty big risk by making it. Can you tell the whole story of how this show came about?
1: So we had produced a couple of shows by this point, and we were getting quite good at what we were doing, right? So we knew how to make branded podcasts. We knew how to work with clients. We knew how to set up all, all of their equipment. We had some systems and processes and things already starting to get established. And we're also building a small team, right? In the beginning with that first project I just talked about, it was just me. And then some freelancers that I kind of roped in, a designer and an audio editor, because I wasn't doing the editing anymore. But fast forward a few years to get to where you're asking this question here, we had some of that set up. So that's the context. I'm pretty plugged into the podcast industry and member of a bunch of Facebook groups and online communities and things where people are talking about podcasting. I remember seeing this post from a guy called Sean Brady. And Sean posted this thing saying, hey, I produce my own podcast for my business. And we just released this five part series about the Apollo 13 mission. So he would produced his own show. He'd recorded all his own narration. He'd edited himself and he posted it. And I was like, I like space stuff. I'm like a tech kind of person. <laughs> I'll check this out. So I downloaded the show and I had a listen. And I was like, man, this show is good. This show is like really good for somebody who is, and Sean, by the way, is like a consultant. He's an engineer by trade, but he's not an audio guy. He just does that as a passion project. And I was like, this show, this little five-episode miniseries that is stuck inside this bigger series of podcasts is getting lost. Like other people need to hear this. So I sent him a private message and said, hey, Sean, I love your show. I run a podcast agency called Wavelength Creative. Here's some advice. I think you should re-release this show, but release it on its own feed. Give it its own voice, its own artwork, its own name, and maybe tidy it up in a few areas. And he was like, oh, I'm interested. So we met up and we chatted and he was like, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I don't think we should do it. And I was like, Sean, I really feel strongly about this. I think it would be great. And I really want to work on it. Like, I want us to do it. I think it would be a really fun project and it's something I'm interested in. And he's like, "Uh, I'm not sure. I'm like, Sean, I'll do it for free. No. Negative 60 Adam.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> now, so, we went through a few years into it, so hopefully it's positive 60 when you made
1: that call, but go on. <laughs> so I was like, I will do this project for free. And look, we didn't actually end up doing it for free. We did it for $1. And the reason we did it for $1 is because I wanted to give Sean an actual contract where I wanted to engage him as a real client. So I charged him $1 plus GST and he transferred <laughs> that to my account. And then we, we had a contract and we started working on a show. And this story is a bit of a folklore story here at Wavelength Creative because when people join our team, they may have heard of this project. It's gotten a significant amount of notoriety in the industry. Like it's had a few hundred thousand downloads, this show and still climbing. And it's brought us a bunch of new business. And it's been a great case study for us in a number of different ways. And it's probably one of the most technically complex shows that we ever produced. But not many people know that we essentially did it for free.
0: And you know what, we call some of those things lost leaders in the business world. And that's probably a really well, maybe a definition of a lost leader really working well for you. So I wanted to touch on branded content. You kind of touched on it as you told that story. So Wavelength Creative specializes in branded content. For those of us who don't know, what is branded content?
1: So branded content is basically any piece of online content or material that is produced by a brand, but is done so with the intent of creating engagement with a brand. So we differentiate this from advertising in particular. So advertising is when you're trying to get attention for a product or service and you pay usually to get media space. So you go, all right, I want to advertise my drill. I'm a hardware supplies company. I'm going to put ads on during the footy because I know that people who watch footy are interested in buying drills, right? So that's a pretty you know basic example of advertising. Now, the content marketing version of that or the branded content version of that is you go, all right, we're going to do, before we talk about podcasting, let's talk about something else. Maybe we do an online video series about how to DIY your own deck. And so we do a YouTube channel, which has got 10 different five-minute videos and we're talking through the things you need and how to drill it together and how to oil the deck, how to um, care for it and maintenance and things like that. Things even beyond the actual core product. So the drill is part of that, but it is not the only thing. And so what differentiates branded content and content marketing from advertising is, the first example, we're paying for media space, and we're basically just paying to get in front of people's eyeballs. Whereas content marketing or branded content, we're essentially creating something of value that our audience voluntarily opts into. They want to watch the 10-part video series about how to make a deck because I want to make a deck. And it just so happens that the drill company produced that video series. And then when I go down to Bunnings and I want to buy my deck oil and I want to buy my screws, I want to buy my whatever and my drill, what brand drill am I going to buy? Mm. The one who produced the series. So branded content is about creating valuable content that will engage listeners or viewers or an audience and bring genuine value to their life.
0: And you may have answered
1: this, but why would a business want to produce branded content? Yeah, well, it's really about creating true fans for your organization. So when you advertise, you're renting an audience. You get to get in front of them temporarily. And media costs are very expensive. Like I worked in advertising for a number of years. To produce that TV commercial will cost you a lot of money. And then all you've got is a glorified 30 second video. Then you have to pay another few hundred thousand dollars to get that in front of people and actually essentially rent 30 seconds of their time. And guess what? People hate ads, like people hate them. Have you ever been on <laughs> youtube before right you're trying to watch the how to build my deck video and then an ad comes ad up for i don't know what the Udi or something right and you want to skip that and i'm pressing of... the skip ad button all i have to do is wait three seconds and i'm already clicking the button because i don't want to watch three seconds of this ad so people hate advertising so branded content and creating content that's really valuable and that actually aligns with what humans want to consume gets them coming and engaging with the brand. And then they feel good. They fall in love, in fact, with the brand that produced it because the brand is not necessarily doing it with this goal of like conversion. They're not trying to convert you on the spot. So they're not touting features and benefits. They're just trying to deliver value to you. And so from that value, you feel good about the brand and then maybe one day or maybe not, you'll end up buying their product That's the best
0: explanation of branded content. It's stuck in my memory now. I'll never forget what it means. (laughs) Now, you produce a lot of shows over at Wavelength, so it must be hard to pick. But do you have a success story that you can share with us where you've worked with a small or medium-sized business and produced a podcast that really helped that business achieve what it wanted to do?
1: Yeah, I think we've got lots and lots of case studies here that we can talk to. I can't go past my absolute favourite show we've ever made. It's a show, I don't know if you've heard of it, it's called The Bottom Line.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I honestly was not going to, I didn't think you were going to say that, but I thought you were going to say something else. I was like, intriguingly waiting for the answer. You can talk about us Um, if you like.
1: So, look, we won't navel gaze too much, but The Bottom Line is a great show. So, we created this show in collaboration with Alexander Spencer with the goal of adding value to the lives of Alexander Spencer's clients, existing clients. So, this show was not actually set out to have a new sales objective and to get lots of new listeners and to convert people. And what that allowed us to do was make a show that wasn't trying to spruke features and benefits. It let us create a show that truly delivered value to the people who listened. And so there's dozens and dozens and dozens of episodes on lots of different really great business-related topics that give business owners lots of really great advice on how to run a more productive, a more profitable, a more successful business. And so the goal there was about client retention. How do we add value to the lives of Alexander Spencer's clients? And also, how do we feature them and talk to them and get some of them on the show, which is one of the reasons I'm here. So <laughs> so that's one really great case study. I have a few others, if you'll indulge yes, me. Yes,
0: I would love to hear them.
1: Another one that I really love is we work with a mortgage broker. His name is Michael Nassar, and he runs a business called Lend Street. And Lend Street, they're based in Sydney. They're a mortgage-broking firm. One of the reasons we created that show was about building relationships with people in his industry. So he was able to build new relationships with people who he had never met or engaged with before. So other people from property-adjacent businesses, things like buyer's agents, things like auctioneers, real estate agents, all kinds of different people. So the podcast enabled him to open doors that were otherwise shut. So by reaching out and saying, hey, I love what you're doing in the buyer's agent space. Would you like to be a guest on my podcast? Now, if he just reached out to jump on a Zoom call with them for 30 minutes, they'd be like, well, why would I do that? If we're not working together, there's no point. But because there's a value exchange happening, then people are excited to come on podcasts. It's a fun thing to do. It feels like you're giving someone this like, pedestal to step up on to, you know, it's a really fun thing. So he's used the podcast essentially as a way of generating new relationships and reinforcing relationships that he already has with people. I was talking to Michael a couple of months ago and he said to me that, um, Trying to draw an ROI from the podcast is really tough because lots of different things happen in a business. And it's, of course, really difficult to draw an exact line between one thing and the other. But he goes, 100% without doubt, the podcast pays for itself. Because I can point to a couple of different new clients that have come to me that I would not have otherwise got. And they were referrals from the people who he had networked with. So young couple wants to buy a house and they go and speak to a buyer's agent about that. And they go, okay, cool. Great. We're ready to do this. Do you know any good mortgage brokers? And the buyer's agent goes, actually, I just did a podcast with one last week. His name's Michael. You should speak to him. So that's another really great case study of like how podcasting can work for your business.
0: Now, I just wanted to talk about podcasting in the future. Podcasts have really exploded in recent years. Why do you think that is?
1: So I actually think that this narrative of podcasting having exploded in the last two years is a little bit of a false metric, actually. I think they've certainly become more visible and they're more popular in the zeitgeist and in the media and things like that. But what I think is interesting is when we look at industry stats and also stats of like the shows that we produce internally, we don't see a hockey stick inflection. We see a steady year-on-year growth of podcasting plodding along every year just continuing to increase. And it's steady, and it's reliable, and it's stable, which is good. And for those listening, there's a really great report that's put out by Edison Research every year. It's called The Infinite Dial, and they measure podcast listening across a range of different geographies And if you look at the graph, it's just like steady, steady, steady year on year growth. I think this year we about 43 or 44% of Australia is a regular podcast listener is the latest stats that came out a couple of weeks ago. And what's really exciting is Australia has also overtaken the US in terms of the proportion of the population who listens to podcasts. So Australia is actually the podcasting capital of the world which is pretty cool. Wow,
0: that's amazing. It's always good to be number one, so we do like that. (laughs) How important do you think video will be for podcasts going forward?
1: Yeah, I get this question quite a lot. And it's a really interesting thing that we're seeing an explosion of video in terms of online content these days. So here is the official wavelength stance on how video works from the perspective of podcasting. So video and recording video for your show is a really great idea because it enables you to have more ways to promote and amplify the show in a range of different formats and channels. But we don't recommend producing a full length edit of your podcast episode for video channels. And the reason for that is adding a video component to your podcast doesn't add any new value for your audience. So in fact, in my opinion, it reduces value for the audience in some ways because now I can't just put my phone in my pocket and go for a walk or jump in the car and listen to a podcast. Now it has to have the screen on, right? And I have to have this visual component that wasn't there before. And particularly if the video component is just a, somebody's head talking, right? It doesn't add any new value. So a full length podcast episode in video is not something that we recommend doing. And also it's like more expensive to produce and there's various other factors and complicates your production process. You also have less flexibility in post-production because when you're editing video, if somebody says, um, five times in 10 seconds, when you chop that up in video, their head's going to jump around the frame, right? But in audio, when you don't see them, we can remove like so many things. You'd be fascinated by the amount of cuts that we're able to make that you have no idea even happened. Audio. We call them ninja edits because it's an edit, it's like a ninja, right? We get in and we get out, and no one knows that an edit was even made. Oh, the
0: ninja edit. I love that. I actually listen to all of our episodes, but I listen to them post-production. Uh-huh. And the reason for that is because when I have to listen pre-production, and we generally they're very edited. I just love it post-production in its final version on. I'm like how good does that sound? And I know that it didn't sound as good when we recorded it. So I can assure you the editing process is so important to getting a great outcome.
1: But in audio, you have more flexibility over that. In video, you can't do as many creative edits. And so if you do a full length video, you end up with a worse quality product that costs you more and adds no value to the listener. So that's why we say don't do a full length video show. But there are many ways that video can add value to your show. So short video snippets for social media to promote the show. And you want to be producing that in vertical for things like TikTok and and Instagram Reels. You want to be doing different formats and different shapes and sizes for other channels like LinkedIn and YouTube and such. So video, our stance is that video is a fantastic tool to promote your show and to have as a form of repurposing and using it for other channels and formats, but not something to replace the full length hero content, which is your podcast episode.
0: And my last question before we get to the final stage is what's next for podcasting?
1: Yeah. So I think I have two answers to this question. The first of those is similar to what I was talking about before. If we look at the history of podcasting to help predict the future of podcasting, you know, they often say that the past predicts the future, then that steady year-on-year growth is something that's going to continue. And so we'll see podcasting integrated into in-car dash systems and home assistance and things like that. That's really like the last hurdle that podcasting needs to jump in terms of listener discovery. Like radio still is the number one consumed audio channel because it's automatic. Clock radios and cars are like the two biggest places that people are consuming radio over podcasts. So as we get to more technology-focused cars and things like that, and home voice attendance and technology in the home, then I think we will see podcasting perhaps start to jump that hurdle to some degree The other answer to this question is, I think we're just going to see more and more technology brought to the medium of podcasting. One of the really exciting things about podcasting that's been kind of developing over the last few years is what we call dynamic content insertion, or sometimes called dynamic ad insertion. And so this is where podcasts are able to insert content into their shows live on the fly. So when you're listening to a show, you're streaming something live, it might be streaming or buffering a couple of minutes ahead. It's not necessarily downloading the full episode. It's building that audio file in real time to some degree. So, right now, this is predominantly being used for things like advertising, right? So, it's going, what's your geolocation? Tell me some data about you. And then it's going to insert an ad that relates to where you are. So, that's kind of what's happening right now. But if I look a couple of years in the future, and even actually today, there are some shows starting to experiment with this, where you can build the content of the show dynamically. So there's a really great example that came out of iHeartRadio Australia just recently. And it is a news podcast that builds dynamically based on your location and the time of day you're listening and a bunch of other things. And so it gives you like things like a weather forecast based on your current location and time of day from when you press play, which is super cool, right? It's like The technology that went into building this on the back end is really wild, but I think we're going to see more of that kind of stuff starting to come into podcasting.
0: That is amazing. I can't wait to see it. So for the final part of today's conversation, I want to do something fun. We're going to go through some common podcast beliefs that people have, and you're going to tell us whether they are right or wrong. (laughs) We've got some rules, Adam. We like rules. So the rules for this segment are, I'm going to say a statement. You'll tell me whether it's true or false and then explain why. You ready? I'm ready. All right. If I want my podcast to be successful,
1: I need to get at least 1 million downloads. True or false? Definitely false. I think there is this desire for people to want to make their show super successful and have millions of people listening, but success is how you define it. And so you might be like a medical technology company who makes a specific product for brain surgeons in Australia. And if we make a podcast for that organization, all you need is the 35 brain surgeons that are in Australia to listen to the show, and you've got your target market nailed down. So if you get 34, it's like, holy crap, we got like almost every brain surgeon in the country to listen to this show. But to somebody else, they go, oh, 35 listeners, that's not enough. It's like to those guys to get their product in front of 35 brain surgeons would cost them millions of dollars to do from some other channel, to do advertising, to invite them to some conference, to get them to fly in, to pay for all their accommodation and airfares, all that kind of stuff. So it depends on the objectives that you're trying to achieve. And that's why it's important to actually map out the strategy of your podcast upfront before you record anything. So we can define what your KPIs should be, what your objectives are, like why are we making this show? Because if there's not a good answer to that, then a million downloads from the wrong people doesn't really make any difference. Awesome. It doesn't take very long to launch a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So this one's kind of true and false. It's true... If your podcast is shit. (laughs) So if you make a show and slap it together, we could launch a show this afternoon if you wanted. It would not be very good. It wouldn't have anything that ladders up to a proper objective. It wouldn't really consider the listener in mind. The artwork would just be some clip art thing. It wouldn't be good. So yes, sure, it's true. We could launch a podcast pretty quickly. But if you want to make a podcast that is going to make an impact and that is going to actually make a positive brand impact for your organization that's going to make you look good in front of clients, attract customers, and achieve the content marketing objectives that we've been speaking to so far in this episode, then you need to invest some time in it. And that process typically takes about three months from start to finish, from when you begin the process of laying out the strategy to all of the little elements along the way, artwork, name, recording some episodes, giving feedback on those, changing the format, recording intros and outros, et cetera, et cetera, submitting to all the different directories, which by the way, you have to do usually a week or two in advance because they have to approve the show to go live. All of these things, you know, there's there's actually a couple of hundred steps involved in launching a show. If you do it properly, then yeah, you should probably budget about three months, start to finish.
0: I have to say, I've been through that journey with Wavelength and one, it's the most amazing journey. It's great. You make it really fun. And I have to say, I didn't appreciate how many steps there were. And you took us through that journey. It did take three months, but we did it properly. And I could appreciate training that was involved in it, learning the lingo, learning how to record. It takes time and it's fun. It's actually fun to do that part. So a couple more. If you don't have video, you shouldn't even bother making a podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this one's definitely false. We've talked about this previously. But yeah, video is a great component to have in your show if you are using it as a way to market and promote the show. But I don't think that video is a replacement for podcasting. In fact, in my prior job at advertising, we used to produce a bunch of social media content for lots of big brands. And we used to benchmark that at 16% view rate. So if people would get through 16, so 16 being 1, 6, so less than 20%, then we would consider that on benchmark. That was good. Because it's like short form content, you know, people flicking through their Facebook feed, you know, oh, watch a couple of seconds. Nah, not this one, blah, blah, blah. So that was considered good. When we look at podcasting, we're getting 20 minutes plus of brand engagement. In fact, we ran a study recently on all the shows that we produce, and we get an average listener duration of 22 minutes and 26 seconds per listening session. So that means people are engaged with your brand for more than 20 minutes at a time. So massive Massive difference. And that's like a completion rate of about 75% of the episode duration. So yeah, video is not the be all and end all. It's not going to replace podcasting. It's definitely a great channel to include in your mix, but it is not the only thing.
0: And my last one, I don't need to edit my podcast. People like that it sounds real.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is the same as the prior question, which is, yeah, this one's true if you want your podcast to be shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can probably talk to this, uh, Savan uh. Uh, as an example. Like, the difference between the raw version of a recording, which has all of the mistakes and the warts and the bits and pieces, and the polished final version that is actually professionally produced. We've cut out all the fluff. We've chopped out all the mistakes. There's a question that you ask that doesn't work, so we chop that out. The guest rambles for a bit, so we, we pull them back and we, we make them feel much more pointed and punchy with their answers. That's the version that we see get much better consumption rates. And that's the version that people want to listen to, right? Like, Content that rambles around and wastes my time <laughs> is frustrating to listen to. And it does nothing to build your brand and your organization. And so uh, we had someone come to us a couple of weeks ago and say, hey, um, we want to renovate our show. Like we're producing the show ourselves. We want to improve it. And I was like, okay, cool. Like we can do that. And we had to listen to it. And they had like the raw materials of, of good content, but they were making some of these fundamental mistakes of like, that open the episode and say, oh, so hey, how was your weekend? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, cool. So what have you been up to? How you see the latest episode of Blah Blah? Okay, cool. So today we're here to talk about contact centers. And it's like, wait, what? The topic of this episode, the reason I tuned in is to like, learn about business and the contact center in, in this episode is totally divorced from what you set this up as. And there was like four or five minutes of just crap at the start of the episode that just wastes listeners' time. And so that's not going to do you any favors when you're trying to win customers. And I have
0: to say, you've taught me so well. So that what happens is when I actually, I listen to podcasts all the time, I'll generally search for things that I want to listen to. So I don't know if it's going to be good or bad. And I'll listen to them. And some of them have been professional people. Some of them have been on TV. I'm like, this is terrible. It was like, what? You need to speak to Adam from <laughs> Wavelength because this episode is terrible. And and I just turn off. And you've taught me the rules of the to-dos and not to-dos. So I, I keep an eye on for those things. And, and I listen to these things. And sometimes the content's good, but they make it so bad for you to listen to, you turn off. So yeah.
1: it's really interesting. We have this philosophy that we use sometimes, which we call all killer, no filler. So you want the content of your branded show to be all killer content. Like it delivers value every second that somebody's listening and there's no filler content. We're not trying to fluff it out. We're not trying to like, don't waste people's time. They're there for a reason. Like think about this. Listening to a podcast is a voluntary act, right? So to the advertising versus content marketing thing before, when you advertise, you pay to put your ad in front of somebody and they can't skip it. Whereas podcasts and branded content marketing are voluntary. I'm listening because I want to. And if you're not giving me value, if you're wasting my time, I'm gonna find another podcast instead. We're all so time poor these days that uh, when people are volunteering their time to listen to your thing, make it valuable for them.
0: Adam, I wanna say thank you, thank you, thank you. It's been a pleasure interviewing you. I was a little bit nervous having my podcast producer on the show. But you've made it very comfortable for me. And I want to say you at Wavelength have been amazing. A big shout out to my mate Jack Traynor, who is our producer at Wavelength. And I want to say it's been a pleasure working with you and a pleasure interviewing on The Bottom Line. Thank you, Adam.
1: Thanks so much for having me. We love working with you as well. Awesome.
0: This is The Bottom Line, a show designed to help Australian businesses succeed. This podcast was produced by accountancy firm Alexander Spencer. At Alexander Spencer, we've been helping business owners realise their goals since 1952. And we play a pivotal role in developing, implementing and supervising the business goals and strategies of our clients. To find out how we can help your business succeed, head to our website, alexanderspencer.com.au. To make sure you don't miss an episode of The Bottom Line, Be sure to subscribe to or follow the show in your podcast app. And while you're there, leave us a five-star review. It really helps others find the show. I'm Savan Tuna and we'll be back next episode with more tips to help you transform your business. And that's the bottom line.